Good morning. I'm Beverly Lapp, um, director of the Convo program. Welcome to all of you. It's near the end of the term, so we're a, a small, cozy group this morning um, in for a, a really meaningful uh, time together. I have a couple quick announcements before I'll ask my colleague, uh, Dr. Pat Lehman, to introduce um, the morning. I uh, wanted to remind everyone that we have a bonus convo in this space Friday at 10 uh, to um, bid farewell and express appreciation to President Jim Brenneman. He will give a short talk as well. Um, and I also want to alert you to the communicator um, over the next week, there will be a, a survey link um, about this year's Convo's program, and I encourage you to, to open that and take just a few minutes to give some feedback, which will be really helpful as we uh, look to the future of the program. Um, I'll invite Pat now to introduce um, our speaker. Good morning. It is an honor this morning to introduce Yazan Mekbil to all of you. I first met Yazan in Core 106, Culture and Community, which is the core course that all transfer students take when they come to Goshen College. In that course, we had many rich conversations on culture, and uh, the rich differences and similarities that we have across cultures, and Yazan was part of that. He had transferred here from Ivy Tech in Indianapolis. He is now a second year biochemistry major from Palestine. Some of you who were at the C. Henry Smith Peace Oratorical Contest in February may remember that he won first place for his speech, Beyond Occupation of Mind and Body. Speaking as he will this morning is not a new experience for him. Uh, a week or so ago, he spoke at a conference in Indianapolis organized by the American Friends Service Committee and he shares in many conferences about his experiences growing up in Palestine. Something to know about his life this summer, he is going to be testifying in Congress about the No Way to Treat a Child campaign, which began in 2015. Uh, the American Friends Service and the Defense for Children uh, in for children in Palestine uh, are the organizations with whom he is working as he will continue to work on the issue of children in Palestine. I first had the opportunity to see this documentary that he will share with us today in Culture and Community where he shared it with our class and when they were writing their final paper it seemed like almost all of them noted something about the documentary so it was a uh, very uh, rich and a wonderful new experience for us. So welcome, Yazan. We're glad you are with us. Um, good morning, everyone. Um, thank you, Professor, for the amazing uh, introduction. Feels kind of fancy, but. Um, so yeah, my name is Yazan Maqbel. Um, as Professor Pat mentioned I transferred last semester. 
Um, for today's convocation, I'm going to show a documentary and talk about a campaign that I've been involved in for the last um, two years. But before doing so, um, I, want to, I want to ask for a prayer as 1,500 Palestinian prisoners started a hunger strike two days ago. Uh, they're demanding um, just basic human rights while they're imprisoned. The leaders of the, uh, one of the leaders of the hunger strike, his name is Marwan Barghouti. He's a Palestinian uh, politician. He posted, uh, or he shared his thoughts in a New York Times uh, article yesterday, which is something strange for the New York Times to do from a Palestinian prisoner, just sharing that perspective. This is not something that happens usually in the US. Um, Israel is attacking him and they uh, decided to send him to the solitary confinement as punishment for what he did. So just keep him and keep all the other 1,500 Palestinian prisoners in your prayers. Um, as for the campaign, No Way to Treat a Child, it started in 2015 as part of uh, long-term uh, talks between the Defense for Children International in Palestine and the American Friends Service Committee. The campaign basically is targeting the U.S. Congress, and they were hoping to urge uh, the State Department and the White House to kind of force Israel to stop detaining children in Palestine. I don't know if you know, but the U.S. sends Israel $3 billion every year as part of military aid, or just what I call it as settlements aid. Um, so the U.S. is involved in this issue in one way or the other. The uh, New York Police Department, they have offices in Tel Aviv. St. Louis Police Department, they have uh, offices in Tel Aviv where they send uh, policemen uh, and military personnel to train in Israel. Uh, a, lot of the, uh, a lot of American military um, officers also have been involved uh, in uh, the Israeli prisons at some point. So it is, like, this is why it's important. Like, this is why the US has to do something about it. Since I started with the campaign, um, at the beginning I wasn't sure. Like, why would I do this to myself? Especially it would, ha it would have uh, legal complications. Uh, I, I might be imprisoned, I might be prevented from traveling. But one of the main reasons is that I was detained myself when I was between the ages of 12 and 15 so many times. My dad was imprisoned when he was 15 years old and he spent three years in the Israeli prisons. And he did a hunger strike when he was 17 years old, like 28 hunger strike, 28 days hunger, uh, hunger strike. Uh, again, just asking for the same uh, human rights that prisoners now are asking for. So I decided to do it and not thinking about what might happen for me. Um, and a lot happened, but who cares, right? So uh, I started in April 2015, three weeks before coming to the US. Uh, we did the documentary in Palestine. Uh, all the boys that you're gonna see, or now they're young men, I guess, you're gonna see in the documentary uh, are friends of mine or friends of my brother, uh, and that we live in the same town. So I know them on a personal level. I know their families and their brothers. Uh, you're going to see the dramatic change, maybe their attitude, how they speak, uh, and what happened uh, throughout the, um, the, the experience that they went through. 
So just think about what I want. There are for, first of all, there are five stages when it comes to uh, detaining children, and you're gonna see this throughout the uh, documentary. First of all, there is the, uh, the moment of the arrest, which could be from your home, from the street, from anywhere. If it's from your home, you're in bad luck because usually they would come after midnight uh, between 12 to 4 a.m. and uh, they don't knock on the door. They just explode, ex they use explosive devices and then break into the house. And then the moment that you wake up, you would see a soldier carrying weapons and standing on top of your head and telling you, let's go, darling. Yalla Habibi, which means let's, let's go, darling. So, um, after that, uh, you will be transferred, which is usually in a military jeep. You'll be placed on the, the floor of the military jeep, and the soldiers will place their uh, feet on top of you. There you will be beaten. Uh, you'll be cursed. They will say bad things about your mother, your family. They will threaten you. Then there's the interrogation, which could take from one hour to, in some cases, 100 days in like major uh, issues. Um, the interrogation, mostly psychological, but then they use uh, physical abuse with children. After that, there's a sentencing. You can go and you will see one of the, uh, one of the children. He went through, I think, 14 trials in 40 days. Uh, and every single time, they're, they're just delaying and they're not giving you an answer. And after that, there's the, uh, the imprisonment the imprisonment. Now, the, the, the experience is not just being in prison and being done with it and then you go back to your normal life. There is a major shift. There, you're, you went to, to the prison as a child and then you came out as an adult. So there is a major shift in how you talk to your family, how to, you talk to your friends. In most of the cases, students would drop out of school or they are not allowed to go back to school, just like the case of my dad. He, the uh, school was controlled by the Israeli civil administration and he was not allowed to go back to school. So we're gonna uh, show the documentary now and I'll, I'll talk more after the documentary. Thank Children are detained, blindfolded, handcuffed. They don't know their rights. Most of the time they sign papers they can't read. It is an experience that stays and lives with, with the child. For three days, you don't know where your child is, if he's, if he's dead or alive, or what's happened, what crime did he commit, you don't know anything. And then after the child is released, you know, the families become overprotective. Thank you.
Israelis issued some guidelines and rules to honor the international standards, yet in practice, uh, we don't see this happening. Most of the time, they don't honor these these guidelines and, and rules. في صوت خبط باقي طلعت الجندي بصحفي بيقول لي قوم يا حبيب تعال معنا انا اول ما يشوف الواحد بني ادم بشوف اشي يعني اللي يطمن مش اول ما يشوف يطلع له جندي مع سلاح وتغيير يعني اللي يرهبك كيف ما تشوف زغط اجل تحت الشجر امم يعني انت ما كنت شايفهم لكن من جندي مسكك اربع وكيف حطوك جوا الجبه؟ دخلنا ولا شيء على المستعمره قعدت على ما كنتش شايف تحتي بس كان كثر ضرب ضرب جزر من السنه وانا تريق ودائما بنفرق ونفرق بيعطي شنو علي ما رضيتش اعمل علي رضيتني ماشي قلت ما قدرت عشان انا فيت مني نفذت ما قدرتش ولما لحقت لما جاء علي شتاني من رقبتي اخذنا على البرج عطني في البرج وكلبشني في كلبشات بلاستيك قعد كيف كاست مي حبه حلو قعدت انا بجيب زبط بتمبر مسلوق بتمبر بلش يقول لي اهدى انت الحين وشارك روح من الحكي طلع من هرج اسمه السلسيه فاتني فاتنا عصير حتى نجي الدكاتره واول شيء عالج الكلب شوف شافوا شافوا اسنانه يفضل الامير غارة عالج عالج الكلب وبعدين الامير مسكوه وزتوه في الجيب. لبست جهازت حالي وكلبشوا لي ايدي يعني ظلت منازل غطوا لي على عيني ركبت في السياره على اساس انهم يعني ودوني يعتقلوني خلاص. لو هذا ولد صغير عمره 10 سنه ونص شو هذا سوى؟ لا انا دخل معي المخابرة قلت له هذا شو سوى في جيش دوله اسرائيل؟ انتم كلكم خايفين من هذا؟ طب راجع كلبش لي اياه كلبش وكذي قلت له انتم يعني شو هذا شو شو سواكم؟ شو انتم شو الخوف اللي سبب لكم يا عبد الرحمن يعني ما سوى شيء ابني ابني في الصف التاسع ملتزم بمدرسته طلاب الشطار زائد انا في عندي شويه شغل في الدار في شويه تصليحات في الدار بشتغل معي بشتغل بلشت سياسة الضرب يعني في السيارة من بكوس من شلاليط يعني أي شيء يخبطوا فيه يعني لدرجة إنه وجع من جناب يعني فأكثر من ضربة أجتني رحت على سجن عصيور قبل السجن رحت على تحقيق ثاني يوم الصبحية بعد المستشفى رجعوا لها على كرم السور الصوتر ظليت غادي بنعيم وين كنت نايم؟ كيف كنت نايم؟ بقيت نايم هيك جوا وانا قاعد بالجيب ولا؟ اه لا ما اعرف شو بس بقيت معصب اخذتوا لي على عينيا الحين بلشوا الحين انا حطوني في في زاوية الجيب من جوا الجنود الحين احنا بين رجليهم يعني 
بلش يضربوا فينا برجليهم انا وعده شباب من المخيمه يعني اعتقلونا فبلشوا بالضرب يعني خمس دقائق هم بيضربوا فينا بعد توصلنا المستوطن يعني لو ما ابعت لا طولوا معنا بعد كده حطونا طبعا مغطينا علينا كلباشين شبحونا يعني تقريبا اربع ثلاث ونص شيء شبحونا عروسه صبحنا كنا تجيب حملنا الاثنين ودونا على مركز في المستعمر سالني شو اسمك وقديش عمرك قعدنا هنا بعدين صار يضرب علي في حجار كيف يضرب قاعد انا قبالي منهم يضرب علينا حجار اه كان الحجار بيجوا فيك اه انت كنت مغمض ايوه ما كنتش شاكر وكان رايح وجاي يضرب بعد يمكن خمس ساعات جينا وطلعنا على السوق وانا هيك الحين ما بقيتش ادافع عن نفسي لانه انا مربط من ايدي ورجلي ومغطى على عيني يعني اي واحد بيضربني من ورا بعرفش فبلش يضربوا فيا بشكل يعني بهمجي بدهم يعني كانوا بدهم يقتلوا الواحد بعدها ركبت في الجيب اخرى مره ودونا على مركز التحقيق The main philosophy of interrogation is to uh, exert as much as pressure on the person who is under interrogation and keep his resistance as low as possible. ودونا مركز التحقيق يعني تلاقيت مع أكثر من ضابط بلش يحاكموا معي يقولوا لي تعال تخافش بدناش نضربك احكي عن اللي صار معك اعترف على الشباب اللي كانوا معك ومن روحك. بعدين صار يدخل الجنود وشك خوفني. امم وايش كان تحكي؟ شو كان يحكي لك؟ شو كان يسالك؟ كان يقول لي اعترف انك بتضرب وعشان اروح قلت له مش علي شيء عشان اروح قلت له ما ضربتش قال لي انت بس اعترف وعسى يضربك قلت له لو ضربت بقول لك بس ما ضربتش قال خلاص اني دخلت المشرف عن يعني عن حالات زي ذا وبلش يحكي معي وقلت انا يعني اعترف أنا أول مرة ما اعترفتش طلعت وأخذنا عن المستوصف يعني تقريبا شي اثنين كيلو من هذا المستوصف أربع مرات أخذ مرات يعني مشي آخر <تصفيق> مرة بعد دخلت على المشروف بلش يحقق أنا ما ضليت منبه معاه لو بدخل لي واحد طويل وضخم لو بضربني على رجلي فعودت اعترفت على حجر بده يعني أحكي إشي ما عملتوش عشان قبلي حاله وقبلي غيري فأنا بقول له يعني أحكي إيش مش عامله أنا يعني إيش الصعب هذا على البني آدم فاضطر إنه يصير يضربني مسكني من راسه وخبط راسي في الطاولة ضربني هنا بوكس عبطني كان في شخص واحد يحط خدون دواب جنبه بعدين دخل كمان شخص إلى سوالف وبطقيه أضاق تاني مديده ويضرب استخدم الضغط النفسي أشتري إيش بعد كل أخ بأخذ أخوك بجيب اهلك بهد الدار بسوي اي شيء يعني وصلت اني اقول لي انا بدي اطلع اخذ اخوك الحين زي مؤسسه بيتك دخل علي القسم شرحت له القسم هيك هيك القسم صار معي هيك ولا صار شيء راجع اجت واحده راجع واحد علي دخل علي عشان يسمع القسم وما سوى لي شيء أنا وقفت رجلي أنا رجلي كمان كانت يعني منفوخة مش رايحة بعد شهر 
لما اجى علي في مؤسسه مكسيكو تفرج على رجلي شاف رجلي مش كسر رجلي قلت لي من رجلي بعدين جاب مجلد كانت جنازة عن البلد وجاب مجلد ففتحه قدامي شفت الصور ما اعترفتش على ايش كان صور للشباب يعني دون اعترافاتش وقعدت خمس دقائق بعد خمس ساعات بعدين طلعني على البصمات بصم ترجع التحقيق بصم ترجع التحقيق اتمنى نلقي لي صور الاخير لو بقول لي روح بديش بديش تحقق تحقق كمل مع خلاص روح واحد اجى عندي بقول لي سلم علي بقول انا محمد تبعك عليا عرف على حاله ولا لا ما عرفش ما قالش اسمه قال انا محمد تبعك ابوك حطني إيه طبعا انا وظيفتي اني احميك من الاعداء ومن الكلام يعني قال لي انت عارف فلسطيني زي زيك اعترف على شيء بسيط خبرة وحكى يعني اعترف لك مثلا حجرين ثلاث وروح بقول له كيف يعني احكي شيء مش عامله انا عارفك محمد تبعي بحكي لك الشيء صار معي اكذب عليك متى محمد تبعي دافع علي فلو بقول لك اللي قال صار بده يضربني استغربت انا من اسلوبي يعني محمد ما بضرب محمد بدافع عنه اجى بتضربني الا بقول لك اذا ما بتترفش بس جي لك ست شهور وبلش شلح شلح الواعي بلش فتش فوائية وهذا انا انا مشلح طلعت على البوسطة بعرف البوسطة انا مشلح وليت تقريبا اربع ساعات في البوسطة اربع ساعات يعني تجمدت يعني صرت ثلج هذا وبلشت اخذ البوسطة عشان يفتح لي ولا حياة المتنادي وصاروا تقييم حوط اخر ايش فتح الباب فتح علي بده يضربني فانا يعني سكت مش خاسني فقلت له سكان ومدرس بلشت احكي معه قلت له سكان قلت له تعال ورا انا مشيت مشيت رحت وراه وجاب لي بطلون البوزه انا وقتها كنت لابس بطلون بياضه نص تشم وبضي رقيقة مش تبت الواحد يتسلش على فيه When they got a Palestinian child in solitary confinement, this child will be ready to give a confession uh, when the Israeli interrogator interrogates uh, him because he wants to get rid of this situation. We pass out uh, brochures to them to know, to, to know more about their rights uh, when they're detained by the um, Israeli army. Um, we also tell them some, you know, a few stories and, uh, of um, Of what happened to other children. No, 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 no. What do you mean? I don't know. 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 هذا يعني خلاني اني يعني ما انامش انه اجتني فتره يعني اذاني نايم في الدار ما ما اقومش يعني من كثر ما نتلاعب ما اروح من السجن. طبعا في ال 40 يوم هذول 14 محكمه حضرنا الى لقينا مسجلات مع الاستاذ اياد مسكين 14 محكمه حضرنا كانت فتره صعبه يعني كل شيء مذل خص نص اني قضينا رمضان يعني كانت فتره صعبه ومع وضع غزه اللي صار 
وقتيتها زادوا علينا الضغط جوا يعني كل شيء بذل الاكل الخربان انتي تاريخه كله يجب بس ما يوم فجاه واحده الساعه يعني تقريبا 6 الصبح لو جيني شحروف قالت نستنى يعني الثمانية في ثلاثة من المطلعون اطلعون من القسم قعدونا في الامتناء تقريبا على تسعة في الليل ثمانية مطلعون من الامتناء اعطوا كل واحد اللي اذا نظل مع هناك محي هناك اعطونا اياهم وطلعنا وعطوا رجعونا الامتناء قعدنا منهم يعني نخلص مع السكر السجن في الليلات فطلعونا على البوسطة وخذونا يعني ورفونا على البواب توفى وبدور على اللي فيش فيش حدا اللي ملاقيني لما باقيين قبل يوم يستنى فيا يعرفوش ان يعني يوم اثنين براول فاركبت سيارة ورحت روحت انا جيت عليهم دخلت عليهم فجي يعني مفيش حدا بعد وانا لقيت دخلت جيت وكملت حياتي لبست اوعي السجن ضلتني في السجن هنا لا واعي لا دفع مفيش يعني وساقع وفيش شبابيك مسكر عليك لا اكل لا ما خلوك خلوك تحكي مع ابوك بحكي له بدي له مع ابوي بدي انا اكل وين انا يعني ما بعرفش وين انا يعني من حقهم قال لي لا انت الحين بحكي انا معه وحشان احط لك محامي أه حكموا عليك ولا أه كيف؟ حكموا شهرين وكفاءات قضيت الشهرين؟ اه شهرين وكفاءات قديش الكفاءات؟ 2000 We notice um, uh, behavioral changes uh, with children after they uh, get released from uh, from uh, from detention. I believe that every child who is interrogated and incarcerated by the Israeli authorities is psychologically affected as a result of this experience. Uh, the level of the affection depends on the age of the child when he has been arrested, the methods and techniques of uh, ill treatment and torture used against him, and also the period that he spent inside Israeli prisons, because the life inside Israeli prisons is a very harsh uh, life. More than 60% of Palestinian children uh, are incarcerated in a prison inside Israel, which is against the international law. Uh, during their stay uh, in these prisons, Especially during the first three months, they are not allowed to receive family visits and also they are not allowed to make telephone calls. And for uh, almost all Palestinian children, this experience is the first experience for them to be separated from their families. The children were completely changed. I mean, the way that they react about this, I mean, uh, how they treat their parents well after the detention. I mean, it's something that really affects the respect of the children to his to his children to his parents, also to his siblings, brothers or sisters, and also to his acceptance of, of, of education, you know, and just improving and developing himself. A lot of them, you know, just decided to drop out of school. <laughs> وكل شيء يعني متعلق فيه متعلق التعليم كل ذي اللقاء يعني شيء بجميله بسووه والتجربه اللي خذها الطفل الفلسطيني مش سهله شعور لا يوصف most of them uh, they, they leave their schools they don't go to schools anymore they just um, go to work uh, or some of them they um, leave from Hebron to, li to live in, in, in a faraway village where it's maybe further, 
from the soldiers and the sellers and all these confrontations so they can maybe relax and, and uh, recover from the trauma that they had and they, that, that they experienced in, in their life. Uh, even the, uh, the, the image of the father who is right there in the house and is not being able to actually to defend basically his family from these uh, uh, Israeli soldiers is actually for the long run is, is, is eroding the vision or, or the image of the father who is supposedly you know protect the family against any danger while you know the kid in the back of his mind well the Israeli soldiers came in and he couldn't do anything <laughs> So I want to ask how how was it? If there is anyone willing to share, just in a word or two. Well, it was traumatizing, um, and I've seen this documentary so many times that I sometimes think of I might have some psychological effect because of it. And I did not go through the process that they went through. Um, I want to ask another question, and I hope that somebody would just. Um, give me a number. How many military laws do you think there are in the West Bank and Gaza? Like Israeli military laws that are applied on Palestinians? Just shout out any number. It's 1,700. 
military laws that basically control every single aspect of your life. So what are the reasons of uh, detention? Well, it could be anything. For example, uh, if an Israeli soldier is 20% sure that he saw that kid six months ago throwing stones, this is enough reason to be convicted and to spend at least six months in prison. If you throw a stone on the separation wall, uh, which is a non-moving object, you can take from six months to three years in prison. If you throw a stone on a moving object, like a military jeep, it could be 10 years in prison. Well, if you throw a stone on a settler or a soldier, it could be 20 years in prison or like a lifetime. So all of these military laws, basically, they are giving the soldiers the chance uh, of arresting whoever they want, whenever they want, for whatever reason uh, they claim. Uh, for, for the stories of the four uh, children, and this is just a small fraction of hundreds of thousands of Palestinians, uh, there are more than 800,000 Palestinians who were arrested after 1967. And between 2001 up until I think 2016, more than 8,000 Palestinian children were uh, detained or uh, arrested in Israeli prisons. So as you saw the, the, in the stories of these boys, what they talked about was basically being a Palestinian, it doesn't matter whatever you are, in your house, going back home from school, or just working somewhere, this is one reason to be arrested. And then another reason to be, uh, for the imprisonment is, again, just being a Palestinian. So whatever you do, uh, whether it's good or bad, this is a good reason uh, to be arrested. Now, again, for the reasons why I started this campaign uh, or working on this campaign, uh, all of my cousins and my friends uh, were detained. Uh, my dad, again, was also uh, arrested. And it took my dad at least 20 years to share uh, his experience. He never talked about it with anyone. And then when one time the uh, Israeli military went to my grandfather's house looking for me, he decided to share what happened and to educate me how to handle interrogation. Uh, that was in 2010, seven years ago. I was, what, like 14 years old uh, when that happened. So with these kids, uh, it's tremendous that they, like, the amount of courage that they have just to share these experiences is amazing. And it was, uh, I don't know if you noticed, uh, having the families, a little sister, a father, uh, and a mother sitting next to them, this is not all. Like, the room was full of people. Like, friends, cousins, everyone just sh being there, showing support. And it was their first time learning about what happened and what, when, what they went through. Uh, I want to talk specifically about Amir. So um, Amir and I used to go to the same school, uh, at least in the middle school. And uh, we're three years apart, I guess, and we used to compete always on who's gonna make it to the honors list. Of course, I was in first place for so many years. Um, and also, we used to play at the junior team of the, uh, of the school and then the uh, junior team of my town. The, the shift, after the experience. First of all, he decided to drop out of school. So he did that for two months and then he went back to school. Uh, he skipped classes. He became completely isolated, doesn't want to talk to anyone. Uh, he became violent in the way he uh, treats his siblings and he deals with his parents. And then he decided, uh, he graduated last year and he uh, passed the national exams in Palestine, but he decided not to go to college. So this pride, 
student who at some point wanted to go to med school, just like his two older brothers, he decided not to do it. And he left the uh, soccer team and he became, I don't know how to describe him. So Israel is not, and he did nothing. He was working with his father uh, on their farmland. Uh, so there was no reason, uh, and I can't imagine any reason anyways, uh, to detain a child and put them through that process. Uh, so the Amir became like, uh, as I, um, I always like the example of the, the flower when you take away the water and then the sun and then the flower dies. So this is exactly what happened with Amir. Uh, and again, this is, um, it happened with so many uh, other Palestinians. And for me, going through the detention, it's, it's not easy. I was detained several times for a few hours, but then like each hour feels like a year. You're being interrogated, you have several soldiers just standing on top of your head and asking you crazy questions about things that you've never done or things that you've never thought of. We live under the occupation, but still, like, we have the hope and the dreams and we're normal children to some point. Uh, we like soccer, we like, uh, for boys we like girls, and for girls they like boys too. So, it, like, the, the, the things that we're worried about are just normal things. So then when you detain the child and then they go through the process, they come out as adults. Like I've seen so many of them just walking in the streets, like this guy is a 16 year old and he's acting as if he's like 23 years old. And you can imagine the amount of problems that they uh, that, that could ha like lead to. My father told me when he was arrested the first time, he committed nothing, he wanted to be a chemist and he was a typical uh, school nerd. And after that, he decided to participate in, in protests. And like he said, I was detained and arrested for no reason, so I, I should do something to, to stop this. And then when he went on protests, he was shot in his head. And like Yezin standing in front of you now could have been somewhere else, I don't know. Because my dad spent like six weeks in critical conditions in the hospital when he was only 16 years old. And then again, when he went back to prison for another year and a half, so his three years were one year and a half at the beginning, then he was out, he decided to do action, and then another year and a half in prison. Uh, he went through a hunger strike for 28 days. And this is just a child, like this, he was 16, 15, 17 years old, like what the heck? I, I, get, I get really emotional when it comes to this because uh, it's not just, first of all, they're not numbers. Uh, and it's just everywhere. My house, I was detained, my brother was detained, my father was detained, all of my uncles, cousins, friends, anyone I can think of was either detained, arrested, or even shot. So, um, I, I, I don't know exactly how is this going to end, but the campaign is targeting the US Congress, and for the first time in history, uh, we could get 27 US uh, Congress members and representatives to uh, sign the McCollum letter. Uh, Betty McCollum is a representative, I think, uh, from Minnesota, and she, uh, she decided to be part of this campaign, and she wrote uh, the letter in 2015. 19 Congress members signed the letter, uh, and then last year we could get uh, up to uh, 23 representatives signing that letter, and four other representatives writing their own letters. Uh, to the White House and to the, uh, like, to the U.S. President and to the uh, State Department. And yet, like, nothing happened, and we're not expecting anything to happen. But just being here, and I've been, like, I don't know, more than 30 uh, um, 
speak engagements and conferences and even the UN, we like, we're spreading awareness and more people are aware of what's happening and more be people are calling their representatives. So I urge you like this summer, we're between May and July, it's gonna be a, like a very harsh summer for everybody working on this campaign because we're trying to get more Congress uh, representatives involved, which is gonna be hard uh, considering the uh, political climate in the US now. Um, I'm supposed to testify in front of the Congress, uh, I think 13th of July, June. Uh, this is not, they refused my testimony in 2015. I was not um, given the access to the permit to go to the Congress for some reason. So I'm not sure if it's, uh, if it's gonna happen this year or not. Um, but if, if I was denied, then the, there are some representatives uh, sending um, managers from their offices uh, to uh, like somewhere in DC. Um, but anyways, so just keep us in your prayers, keep these kids in your prayers, and again, keep the 1,500 Palestinian prisoners. And I have three, uh, three of my friends are doing the hunger strike right now. So keep us all in uh, your prayers, and we hope that this uh, ends sometime soon. Well, thank you.